Hey church, we are in a brand new series starting today, as you heard, called Light Night. And this is really all about Jesus as our night, as our night of light, our light night. Uh, you know, as, as I said earlier, not uh, our dark night. He is our, our light night. We are children of light who walk in his footsteps. And he's given us uh, the full armor of God, the entire armor of God to take on all the pieces that a knight wears and a walk forward in light. And that is your identity, that is your destiny, that's how you're going to influence in this world. And so through, through each of these sermons, uh, I'm going to hammer three points. And, and, and so if you don't get anything else out of these sermons, I want you to remember these three words. Awareness, abundance, and authority. So we lack, uh, the, the church has, uh, uh, underneath this entire series is, is just saying, God, what does the church need? What does Trinity Life need? What do followers of Jesus need? What does the church, your church, God, the bride of Christ need right now? And if we look around our society uh, and look at the church, the church is largely impotent. The church has, has lost its, its potency. The church has lost its voice. We're trying to find our voice. The church doesn't create culture anymore, uh, which is why uh, we do a lot of things that we do here in order to create culture. The church doesn't engage in society anymore. Guys, the church has fled to the suburbs. The church has, has left the city. The seminaries have left the city. Um, theological education, uh, the missions, all, all those things. And, and so all those reasons are a lot of the reasons why my family and I moved to Toronto to get the church back in the public square, to begin creating culture again, to engage with the city, to work with the city. And guys, Trinity Life is doing all of those things. So you're a part of a church. If you're in one of our, uh, one of our R3s, and you are doing that. We're trying to equip you through our three leaders, through your disciples, to do that. To be a light knight, to represent Jesus in your neighborhoods, to make disciples who make disciples. And one of the big reasons why we've lost our power in that is because we lack awareness of the spiritual world. We don't know what's going on. We've lost our identity in Christ. Those things go together. We've lost our abundance. Our abundance that Jesus came to give us a life that was abundant, a new quality of life, a different way of living than the rest of this world lives. That's your destiny in Christ. We've lost that. You've lost intimacy with, with the Father. You've lost how to walk forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've lost our authority. We've lost our influence. We're not influencing our city and our world anymore. Like how much are you influencing at your workplace? How much are you influencing in your families? How much are you influencing in your neighborhood with your friend groups? Like we've, we've largely become an impotent, powerless people. But that's not because we don't have power. I think it's largely because we don't know how to use it. We don't know how to access it. We've listened to the voice of the enemy more than we listen to the, the voice of God. Guys, it's simple. It's hear and obey. 
It's hear God's voice, know who you are in Christ, have awareness that he's speaking, and it's obey. It's walk forward in your destiny to influence our city and the world. So we're going to talk through that through each of these sermons. And we're starting here in the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, the entire book is kind of patterned uh, around this rubric. Awareness, abundance, and authority. So if you look, if you have a Bible, uh, if you look in the first two chapters of, of Ephesians, chapter 1 and chapter 2, it starts off with Paul saying, hey, you have all, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You have access to all of them. How many? All. Not 99 out of 100, not a certain percentage. You have access to all of them in Christ Jesus because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And if your life is in Christ, you have that. You have that. You have all these blessings. And it's going to lead to the authority. So Paul's saying, hey, wake up, guys. This is in Ephesians, they're all new believers, right? They're all trying to figure out their faith. He's like, hey guys, you have everything. You have everything here. And you were once dead, and now you're alive. You're once in sin, and now you're in freedom. And now he also says in verse 10 of chapter, he says, you are a masterpiece. You're God's workmanship. You're his magnum opus. He's created us for good works to exercise his authority, to exercise his dominion over this world, to fulfill the cultural mandate all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. Because you have the image of God inside you. And guess what? Now, if you're in Christ Jesus, you also have the fullness of the Spirit of God inside you. You have access to him. So there's, there's awareness there that leads into abundance. And he says in chapter 3 and chapter 4, he talks about that abundance. He says there's an eternal purpose. That eternal purpose was that you would be, uh, in, com- <coughs> <Excuse me. coughs> You'd be in communion, <coughs> in communion, in community, in perfect fellowship with the perfect trinity. Your eternal purpose, guys, is trinity life. That's why we named our church that. Trinity Life Church, that is your eternal purpose, he says in, in, in chapter 3 here. And so have strength in that. There's unity in the body of Christ, he talks about in chapter 4. And he says there's this new life you walk in, that new, abundant, Zoe-quality life that he's given us. We walk in that life. And then in chapter 5 and chapter 6, he talks about the authority you have. He says, so guess what you can do? He says, you can be an imitator of God. You actually, through awareness, through the abundance of your intimacy, your maturity in Christ, you can be an imitator of God. He says you can be a child of light. Actually, in fact, he says you are light. The darkness has to flee when you walk into a room. There's authority. He says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So there's authority here. And then he talks about family dynamics with wives and husbands, children, parents. He talks about slaves and masters, you know, your workplace. And then he goes into the armor of God. Why does, why does, why is Ephesians set up that way? Why does Paul talk about these intimate relationships in the household and then in the workplace right before he talks about spiritual warfare? Well, that's because 
That's where the enemy loves to attack. The enemy loves to attack your marriage. It's supposed to represent the beauty of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. So he wants it destroyed. The enemy loves to attack you at work. Why? Because he wants your witness destroyed. The enemy loves to rile up your kids. He loves when your kids whine. He loves when you yell at your kids. He loves when you discipline them out of anger. Why? Because it'll break them down. They may resent you for the rest of your life if you live in that way. He loves to destroy. It could potentially destroy your legacy. It could potentially destroy generations. They're your first disciples. And so Paul, going out of those relationships, he begins to talk about the armor of God and why it's so important for us is because, guys, the enemy is all around us, working all around us, trying to, to kill, steal, and destroy. And so Paul says, finally then, finally, with all that behind, with all that um, uh, chapter one through five that we've talked about into the beginning of chapter six, with all that uh, building off of this, he says, finally, in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong. That, that word in the Greek is, is actually in a passive tense. So I like the translation better that says, be strengthened in the Lord. Because sometimes when you say, be strong, Lord, it can be like, okay, well, I'm supposed to be strong. I'm the one who's supposed to be strong. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be strong, whatever that means. I'm going to muscle through this. I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to get through this thing. And I'm going to be strong in the Lord. But this is actually the, uh, this is the, the connotation is, no, you are to allow yourself to be strengthened in the Lord. You're to receive his strength as a gift. You're to open yourself up to God working in your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your, and your body, right? You're supposed to open yourself up to that. So allow yourself to be strengthened in the Lord, and also, he says, and in the strength of his might. So this is like the how. So how, do, how are we strengthening the Lord? Well, well um, he says, in the strength of his might. Now, all those words are different in the original language. And the, the first one there, in the strength of his might, in the strength, that word in the Greek uh, always refers to supernatural power. So when he says, be strong in the Lord, in the he's saying, in the supernatural strength of God. The strength that you cannot muster on your own, that only comes supernaturally, right? Above the natural. It comes from, from something outside of what's natural to us. And so you have to allow yourself to receive that supernatural strength from the Lord. And guys, make no mistake, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can close yourself off to that. Right? Paul says, do not quench the Holy Spirit, meaning, hey, you're quenching the Holy Spirit? Stop it. Stop doing that. Open yourself up to the Lord, his supernatural strength. And then the second word here, in the strength of his might, that word might refers to inherent power. So this power that God inherently has in him that only he can give us. Okay? So... Why is this possible? 
Well, it's possible because uh, there's another pairing of these two words earlier in the book in Ephesians chapter 1. And it's possible because of our identity, our position in Christ. And this is the awareness piece. I want, want you to start to become more and more aware of what you have in Christ Jesus, of the spiritual world that's, that's around us. We're going to talk about this next week as well. We'll, we'll dive a little deeper into that, uh, but into the spiritual world and what that means. Uh, but I, right now, we're just trying to, to um, uh, open ourselves up a little bit to, to that awareness that there's, there's a lot beyond what we can actually see with our eyes. And, and so early when Paul uses the strength, of, and strength and might and pairs them together in Ephesians chapter 1, it's clear that this power, he says in, in verse 19, uh, or sorry, yeah, verse 19 he uses, and then verse 20 says, it's clear where this power comes from. He says, he worked it in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above Every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. And the fullness of him who fills all in all. So our power, your identity, your awareness has to start with knowing through the cross and the resurrection that our identity is in those things and in Christ's ascension. So what does that mean for you? What does it mean for us? Well, if Jesus died on a cross, then was raised from the dead, then ascended, and we are now, and we now have the ability and the power, as Paul says, to become imitators of God, well, we do that. That's why Jesus says, take up your cross daily. It's why Paul says, you have to die to yourself. It's why he says to live as Christ, to die as gain. It's why he says put to death your old self. It's why Paul says you are a living sacrifice. You're a living sacrifice. And so we take up our cross daily. And through that, and, and you know, in Romans 6 it talks about baptism in this way, that we're buried with Christ in his death. And then we're raised to walk in new life. We're raised with Christ in the resurrection. All right, that's the abundance. So you have awareness, you have abundance, and then you have the authority, the influence that Jesus has because he has ascended on high. And he's above all those things. And so he gives that to us. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and he's given that to us. He's given that to you. You have access to that. Guys, so many of us walk around like, like we're, we're, we're poor Christians, like we're broke Christians, like we're impoverished, like we're oppressed. And you have a bank account in the Holy Spirit that has billions of dollars, an infinite amount of money in it and resources. And he says, hey, guess what? I've given you a deposit. I gave you a deposit. Do you know that? It's called the Holy Spirit, he says in Ephesians chapter 1. 
And what that deposit does in you is it guarantees your inheritance in Christ Jesus. Guys, wake up. I wake up, O sleeper, let the light of Christ shine on you. You are a light night to walk in this world, slaying the kingdom of darkness and spreading the kingdom of light. That is your destiny. We have, we have the authority for that, but first we got to be aware, right? And, and so I'm, I'm trying to help us become aware of that, that we have that, that power in Christ Jesus. And so he says here in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. So check out this armor, right? This, this whole armor of God. It's, it's the helmet of salvation. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It's the belt of truth. It's the shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. It's the shield of faith. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? These are pieces of, of the armor that, that he's given us. What do you notice about all those? Well, each piece of the armor is something invisible. It's something that is not necessarily tangible. And so that's what I mean when I say there's so much more out there than just this physical world that I want to help you become aware of. There's so much more to the spiritual world that we don't see. Our weapons are not physical weapons, right? They're not actual swords and, and guns and shields. It's, it's faith and it's truth. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's peace. It's righteousness. It's salvation. And if you look here, he says, we have that in verse 11 so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And here's the thing about the schemes of the devil. They are also invisible. Many times. Now, you, you may have seen some visible things too, but a lot of the schemes of the devil are invisible. We cannot see them. And this word here, schemes, has this, has this connotation of, of deceit, deceitful schemes. Earlier on in, in chapter 4, verse 14, it's used that way. It's talked about as the schemes are deceitful. And, um, and since the beginning, 1 John says, the enemy has sinned. And Jesus says that the enemy is the, that's Satan, he's the father of lies. Right? There's no truth in him, he says in John 8. And then John in chapter uh, 12 and chapter 20 of Revelation says that the devil has deceived the whole world. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul says that, that the, the God of this world, Satan, has, little g God, has blinded the minds of unbelievers, right? So there's deceitfulness. These are the devil's schemes. It's mainly through lies and deceit. And then in this segment here, this, this segment in, in chapter 11, it begins with this Greek preposition that means, it has this connotation of face-to-face. -face. And so here's why that matters. Because we're called to walk forward in this abundance. We have the full armor of God. That is your abundance in Christ. That is your destiny to put on that armor. To walk forward in that. But here's why that preposition matters so much. Because the enemy isn't catapulting things at us from afar. He's whispering in your ear. 
He isn't over there, and we're safely over here. You are in a war. For your soul. For the souls of this world. And you have to be aware of that. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, you've chosen to take up the armor of God, the fullness of it, and go into battle. You can no longer sit on the sidelines. There's no place for complacency. Those who are following Jesus, they're not just sitting there doing nothing for Jesus. You're in the battle. You're in the war. And the primary battleground for spiritual warfare is in the mind. We just came out of our entire series called The Mind of Christ. And you have access to the mind of Christ if you're a follower of Jesus. And the primary battleground with the enemy is here. It's in the mind or the heart. It's as close as you can get. It's lies, it's deceit, it's manipulation. It's these thoughts that, that distract us. She thinks you're worthless. You're never gonna be good enough. You're so stupid. You don't do anything right. He thinks he's better than you. Oh, it's okay, it's just a little sin. No one's gonna find out. Oh, it's, it's okay. You're covered by grace, aren't you? Go ahead, go ahead and sin. He didn't say you would really die, did he? Does that one sound familiar? Doesn't God want you to be happy? These are all lies and deceit and manipulation of the, of the enemy. And that's why he says here in verse 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Guys, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against these things. And, and we can exercise authority and influence our city in the world through the power of Christ. We're not wrestling with, we're not wrestling here with things of the flesh as much as we think we are, like these physical things. Yeah, so um, this week, actually for the last 15 days leading up to today, um, some of you guys know last year uh, my lung collapsed last summer and um, it's called a hydropneumothorax is what I had, um, which is water and air trapped in the chest cavity that doesn't allow the lung to expand fully. Uh, well, 15 days ago, I had a recurrence of that. It happened again. And, uh, but just a pneumothorax, just air, not, not water this time. But, but um, it happened again, and I thought, and I didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know for sure. I just thought, oh, no, something's off on, in here. I waited. Uh, I went through the pain for about 
uh, 11 days and waited until Missy was like, you have to go to the doctor. And so I went to the doctor, they took an x-ray and they verified I have this pneumothorax. And this was, this was just a few days ago, four days ago, this happened. The verification happened. And I thought, oh man, um, you know, this is the last thing I did. I was like, ah. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, I was like, okay, not, 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 that, not that big a deal. Right? Like I can, I can get through this. It's causing a lot of the, some anxieties. It's causing some some other 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 things to be off. But you know, I'll, I'll get through this. But you know, I was like, I I have the authority in Christ to pray healing over my body, to command this thing to go to go away, just like Jesus does. Right? We have that authority. So this week, started praying got our leaders to pray uh, with me and over me, my family, um, some people outside of Toronto uh, who, um, uh, who I, are faithful intercessors and, and prayers over our, our ministry and, and over my family. And so I told them. And so for the past four days, been praying against this thing. And, uh, and I realized Today, so today, as I'm, as I'm filming this, I went to the hospital today to see a specialist. And I asked everyone, I said, hey, pray that this thing is gone so that when I get new x-rays at the hospital, it doesn't show up, that it's gone. And so everyone is praying and we're doing that. And, uh, and on the way to the hospital today, I was just crying out to God and it's funny because I'm preaching this sermon and I realized, God, we'd been talking about the flesh and the blood and trying to do battle against my own physical body. You know, what was in here, but, and the spiritual side of things, there's, there's spiritual too, but I completely missed the emotional brokenness and turmoil and the mental exhaustion that I've been feeling that probably caused this. Um, and so I prayed against the, the enemy there. And I said, enemy, you have no place in this emotional brokenness. I do not want that. I, I pray the, the peace and the shalom of the Holy Spirit to be in me, to bring wholeness to me. And, and, I, and I commanded the, any spirits of darkness to leave me that were causing emotional and mental exhaustion and jadedness or whatever it was. And, and I commanded... Uh, the joy of the Holy Spirit to be in me. And I asked the Spirit to be released in me, to no longer be quenched in my heart. And guys, immediately, I felt healed. I thought, oh my gosh, all these prayers that, that led up to this were leading me to see this thing that I was, that I was praying and I'd, I'd been asking people to pray for the physical, for flesh and blood, when it was underneath the surface, there's more underneath the surface. And the Lord finally helped me realize that, that uh, even though I was going to preach this sermon, that we don't fight against flesh and blood. Now, the flesh and blood was a manifestation of this thing that was under the surface. And so, guys, I stand before you today saying that when I went to the doctor today, and they looked at the x-ray and they compared it to my x-ray from Monday. They compared it to my x-ray from post-procedure last year and from pre-procedure last year. There was nothing wrong in my chest. They said it was, it's gone. I'm healed. And so praise God that we don't have to just battle on our own. 
that he's with us, guys. And you have access and authority in the name of Jesus to do what he did, to do what he does, to walk in his footsteps, be imitators of God, to be children of God, to be children of light, to walk forward in that light. And so he says here, we are to withstand in verse 12. He says, we withstand in the evil day and having done all, we stand firm. And so we withstand and we stand firm. And guys, a lot of times people think this is a this is a defensive, or I should say just a defensive posture. So you may have heard in spiritual warfare, we're not supposed to go on the offensive, uh, just be in a defensive posture. And I'm here to tell you that is wrong theology, that is not right. If you think we're just here to guard what God's already given us and defend, um, that is only half of what we're supposed to do. And actually, I think a lot of times we spend our time guarding things that Jesus is guarding himself. Like, guys, Jesus has in his hands uh, your salvation, right? The Father is holding that in Jesus through the power of, of, of the Spirit. And so we don't have to guard that. The enemy cannot take that out of his hands. There's certain things that the enemy has no access to because God himself is holding them on your behalf. And I feel like we're like spend a lot of time guarding those things, like, like something's going to happen. And we're just like those soldiers at Buckingham Palace, if you've been there, who just stand there and do, and do nothing, don't do a whole lot. Um, but they feel honored, like this is, this is a big honor because they're at Buckingham Palace, right? And, and no one's trying to get in there, right? Everyone reveres, reveres the queen. No one's trying to get in there. And, and so the enemy's not even there trying to get into those places. And we're like, no, we're, we're going to stand guard. Now... That doesn't mean we don't guard. You know, Proverbs says, guard your hearts and your minds. It's the, it's the spring of life, the wellspring of life, right? It's where life comes from. Uh, but also uh, in, in um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking out, in, in Philippians, it says the peace of God. In Philippians chapter 4, it says the peace of God actually guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, right? So if you have the peace of God, which we've been given the peace of God, he's made peace in us, you have that already. And so there, that doesn't mean you don't stay vigilant, uh, watchful. But for a lot of us, if you're familiar with sports, you, you know this, we're just, we're just playing a prevent defense. We're just trying to prevent the bad things from happening. And you know, if you know anything about prevent defense, and guys, let me explain this to you. It, it's like, hey, we're, we're up in the game, we're winning, and so now prevent defense is saying, we're going to do our best to try not to lose. We're going to hold on to this game and hold on to our lead so much that we don't lose. So you stop risking. You stop being bold. You lose confidence. And what ends up happening inevitably is you lose anyways. You see it all the time in sports. They start playing a soft zone. They start playing medium defense. They start trying to prevent the loss. And then they end up losing anyways instead of trying to win. Guys, you are victorious in Christ Jesus. But if you're honest with yourself, I think so many of you are living your life defeated. 
like the enemy has won. Like society is just encroaching upon us. Like it's so dark and it's so oppressive. It's so overbearing. Bad things dominate our news feeds. You're content with dwelling in the darkness. And you live a defeated life. You walk around your spiritual self with your shoulders hunched, your head down, moping around, and you're not even in the battle because the lies of the enemy have debilitated you. Guys, if you're not in the battle, you're never gonna win the battle. The enemy loves complacency. He loves for you to sit on the sidelines. And a lot of the church just tries to do prevent defense. But guys, this entire book leading up to this throughout Ephesians, he says we're to actually move. We're to actually take back ground. You know, every time someone comes to faith, you're taking back enemy ground. You're saying you have no place in their heart anymore. They're renouncing the ways of the enemy and they're accepting the ways of Christ. They're buried with, with him in his death and they're raised to walk in new life. So, so in this book, Paul says in, in chapter four, we walk in unity. He says also in chapter four, we walk in holiness. In chapter five, he says we walk in love. In chapter five, he also says we walk in light. And then he says we walk in wisdom. And so there's movement. We're supposed to walk. We're supposed to take back enemy ground. There is an offense to this. And people say the armor of God, oh, it's all defensive stuff. No, no, no. We have offensive weapons too, the word of God. And do you know why you, don't, you just play defense, you don't play offense? Because the word of God is not hidden in your heart. Because you've taken the word of God, your main offensive weapon along with prayer, and you've thrown them to the wayside. It's sitting there collecting dust. It's not hidden in your heart so that you might not sin against God, as Psalm 119 says. Guys, it's time to pick this up. It's time to put this in your mind, in your heart, to stop putting all that other junk in there and to walk in love, to walk in unity, to walk in wisdom, to walk in light. That is your destiny. That is you becoming aware, you walking forward in abundance and you walking forward in authority, in the authority of Christ Jesus. And so it's standing, right? It's standing firm versus sitting down, right? You're ready to move. You're agile, right? So we think standing, okay, standing means we're just supposed to stand here and hold our ground as much as possible. No, think about it in terms of it's standing, not sitting. It's being upright, not downcast. It's being victorious, not being defeated. It's being able to move rather than being incapacitated or cowering or paralyzed by fear. It's standing and saying, here I am, God, send me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to win back people for you. I mean, whatever it takes to usher in the kingdom of God, I'll do whatever it takes, God, to do whatever you want me to do. And so I want to close with this. I want you guys around your R3, if you're with your R3 right now, 
Uh, well, no matter where you are right now, I want you to stand firm. So I want us to stand together. I want you to stand up. I know you're reluctant right now because you normally just sit and listen to sermons, but stand up. Our three leaders, get your people up. Let's stand together. And, and if you're alone, um, we encourage you to be part of an R3. If you're alone because like you're sick or your kids or you know whatever, um, stand up with your family. Stand up. Uh, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can stand up in the Holy Spirit so you're not actually alone if you are just by yourself uh, today. And, and so wherever you are, stand because we're going to physically manifest something, right? But this is our spiritual reality. Okay, and we're going to physically posture ourselves in this way. And in your R3 or with your family, with whoever you're with, I want you to hold hands. And so this is something that as, as, as my family and I prayed over uh, the, the works of the enemy, against the works of the enemy, and prayed, prayed the Spirit of God over us today, we, we circled up a few times this week and held hands and had this just beautiful, amazing time of prayer um, and crying out to God and, 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 and battling on behalf of the Lord. And we're going to do that right now as a church. And so stand with your R3, hold hands, and I'm going to pray this blessing over us as we close. Because I want to bless you with truth, with power, with authority, with abundance, with, with awareness. And so, Father... You are good. You are so good. May we taste your goodness. And just want more and more and more. I bless our church to know that your word is sweeter than honey, is more precious than gold. I bless them to have a desire for your word. I bless them to say no to the enemy, to say no to the lies, to renounce, to to just say no to the enemy's ways and to say yes to you, Lord Jesus. Say yes to your awareness of who you are, to your abundance that you want to give us, to your authority, Christ Jesus. I bless them in their neighborhoods to know that there's people all around them who want this truth. So I bless them to walk forward in boldness, not in fear. That spirit of timidity, timidity that's in them We renounce that, we reject that in the name of Jesus. And we say, go forward in love, in sound mind, in boldness. We bless them with the fervency of the Holy Spirit. We bless them to not be slothful in zeal any longer, but to walk forward in zealousness for the kingdom of God. We bless them to seek you, God, and your kingdom first and your righteousness. We bless them to not get caught up in the ways of this world, but to get caught up in the way, the only way, the only truth, the only life in you, Jesus Christ. 
And we bless them to walk in love, to walk in unity as they do so, to walk in wisdom. God, we just bless them to walk. May they get up, stand up, and walk in the gale of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, you have overcome the world. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So I bless all of you guys to take heart, to take heart in the victor in our light night. In the name of Jesus, the only name that matters, the only name that is above all names. In the name Jesus of Nazareth, amen.